Welcome to another edition of the College 12 Pack. I'm your host, Patrick Con, senior editor of the College Wire. With me, as always, Tyler Natuno, Bellasher Tigers Wire for the win. Uh, coming on a uh, somewhat cold day, uh, Tyler, it was nine degrees when I got out of bed this morning. Um, so it's a very cold day, but what always warms me up is talking football. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We said last week we're going to talk some basketball this week. And every time I say it, all hell breaks loose. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as we get done recording on a Wednesday last week, Nick Saban, of all people, announces that he is retiring from football after 17 seasons with the Alabama Crimson Tide. I was a little bit shocked by this move. Not that his retirement as a whole comes uh, as a shock, um, but it seemed like he was still a year or two away. It, it felt like, um, but, but it seems like it was time for Saban to, to call it quits. And when we thought the coaching carousel had come to a complete stop, uh, Nick Saban sent it into hyperdrive once again. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm with you. Like, it's hard to call a 72-year-old man retiring from college football surprising. But, like, I was a little surprised. I think, you know, I I I agree with you. I think I probably thought he had another year at least. Um, I'm not surprised in the sense that I think it always made sense to me that when Nick Saban decided to call it quits, it was just kind of going to – you know, drop on a random day, no fanfare, no retirement tour, that kind of thing. Uh, that seemed very out of character for him. So, uh, you know, he went about his business. Seems like it was a normal day. He sat in on, you know, their interview with a, a, a receiving coach candidate and then uh, announced to the team that he was retiring. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, kind of shaking the sport. Uh, it's hard to put into words what what this, you know, what this means. I mean, this is a guy that did something that no one else has ever done and, and it really remade the sport in its own image, in his own image, right? I mean, like, you know, look at how many of his protégés are just in the SEC. I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, Napier, Kiffin, Sark, uh, Kirby, obviously, you know, they're all over the place. Hugh Freeze only has that Auburn job because of what he did against Nick Saban. Like, this guy has set the tone for the entire country for two decades plus. Like, it's pretty unbelievable to, to think about that and think about the fact that he's not going to be you know, a part of it anymore. Um, you know, I think, I think there maybe were some signs, you know, in, in his demeanor, apparently based on what some people more in the know than me have said, it sounds like maybe there were some rumors throughout the year that this might've happened, but, um, you know, it just ultimately came as a shock happened at five thirty Eastern on a, uh, on a Wednesday, about two hours after we stopped recording and, uh, yeah, he's out. So new coach to Alabama, which we'll get to in just a second. Yeah, like again, not not a surprise the fact that Nick Saban retired. Uh, but you know, it, it seemed like, and I've seen some some interviews after the news breaks that you know Nick Saban was tired. You know, he it was wearing him down more than normal. You know, maybe some of that. You know, maybe what Dion said was true. What uh, when he he was quoted afterwards saying that the game of college football chased the goat away. I mean, having to deal with NIL, having to deal with this transfer portal. Um, you know, it almost feels like 24 seven. There's, there's a player going in the portal. There's a player going out. There's a player considering, uh, even with the windows, there's other ways to get into the portal. You know, I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, what else did Nick Saban have to prove? You know, he won seven national championships during his time as a head football coach at college, six at Alabama, one at LSU, the fact that the man in 17 years at Alabama had more first round picks than losses 
tells you just how dominating Nick Saban was in that 17-year run. Uh, when he took over a downtrodden Alabama program and turned them back into the national power that they were under the uh, late, great Bear Bryant. Yeah, that's that's an unbelievable stat. I hadn't actually heard that one. But, I, I mean, yeah, there's really no other way to say it. I mean, just the absolute machine that this team has been. I mean, we've seen dynasties in this sport before. We've seen programs be really successful for a long period of time, but we've never seen – you know, them churn out talent. I mean, I think the the most telling stat that I heard was, you know, in Saban's entire 17 career, uh, 17 year career at Alabama, if you played four years for him, you won a national championship. Uh, so, you know, that's just unbelievable to think about the fact that, you know, there is not a single player that played four years for Nick Saban in Alabama that doesn't have a national championship rank. Like I, I, that is just a level of consistency that is, I, unthinkable. I mean, you know, we'll see if Kirby is able to, to kind of do something similar. I mean, obviously they missed out this year, but you know, he's won two already. He's kind of on his way, a young guy sort of continuing on in that legacy. But I mean, you know, ultimately he is just expanding on the blueprint that Saban built and uh, you know, he did it at LSU and then he came back and did it at Alabama uh, to another level. And now everybody's going to be trying to take over that, that, that spot as the guy in the SEC replacing a legend is never easy. And, and, and as a, a potential head coach, I'm not sure that you really want to be replacing the legend. You always want to be the legend or the, the guy who replaces the guy who replaced the legend. I do remember a couple of years ago when Texas tech was looking for their head coach, you know, Sonny Dykes was a guy that they had kind of circled and wanted to bring in. Like, but his father was a legend at Texas Tech, so I understand him not wanting uh, to do that. Uh, but now we're looking at Kalen DeBoer, who is coming over from Washington, and this is really what kick-started the whole coaching carousel. And Kalen DeBoer, he's obviously done a really fantastic job in two years at Washington. One loss against an AP-ranked team in two years. Fantastic numbers. Uh, we've seen what he did. I think a total of, what, three losses, four losses? Uh, in his time there at, at Washington in two seasons, really a, just what he was able to do. And I think he even gets more out of his talent because he doesn't have all the five stars. But now he's going to Alabama in a place that almost recruits itself. Not to say that um, he's not going to have to put in the work. He obviously will. I mean, there's a process there. And with Transfer Portal NIL, things have changed. They're still going to get talent there. So now it's going to be about – utilizing that talent he doesn't have the top tier he'll have the top tier guys but he's got to continue to be able to mold those guys so he can have an offensive uh output like he had with michael Penix jr romo dunze jalen polk uh jalen mcmillan dylan johnson all those guys now he's got even more talent on that side of the ball so it'll be interesting to see what he can do and and ryan grubb who's coming over with him who i thought should have got the job at washington but they ultimately went in a different direction yeah, I mean, you know, I've got some questions. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't think this is like slam dunk, like no doubt this is going to work out. But I'll say this right off the bat. I mean, Kalen DeBoer is a proven winner. I mean, what his career record in, in stops at uh, uh, Southern – What was that? Sioux Falls. Thank you. Thank you. I should have done the – should have prepared that one better. But, yeah, Sioux Falls and then uh, obviously Fresno State and Washington. 104-12 and 12 career record. I mean, that is unbelievable stuff. I mean, this guy wins wherever he goes. 
And I think it's fair to assume that at a job like Alabama, he'll probably win too. I mean, I think the floor here is going to be pretty high. Once again, I think, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to see this team kind of fall to like a six and six kind of plateau. I don't think that's really where this is heading under Kalen DeBoer. But with that being said, I mean, there are questions, right? I mean, first of all, the task ahead of him is going to be hard here. I mean, I think that, you know, you've seen between the draft and then the guys that have entered the portal uh, in the wake of Saban's uh, retirement, you know, all those guys are obviously free to enter past the window. You know, it's going to be a tough, tough task to rebuild this job by the, by this coming fall or rebuild this roster. You know, we haven't really seen if he can recruit at an elite level, you know, obviously portaled very well at Washington, you know, bringing in Michael Penix, but that's a guy who he had prior connections with, you know, he worked with him when he was the offensive coordinator at Indiana. Can he go out in the portal and land, you know, you know, stellar players that he doesn't have connections to? Can he go into these, you know, high schools in Florida and Alabama and Georgia? And can he convince these five stars to come? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, he definitely could. I think that's an area where he could learn on the job and adapt, but also you've got a guy in Kirby who's been doing that to a really, you know, at a really high level for years now, are you going to come in and just compete with that right away? Like, I don't know. I think that's a real question. And it's one that I don't think that, you know, some of the other candidates that were rumored to be in the mix for this job uh, would have had, you know, Dan Lanning, he has his own questions, but I think acquiring talent's not one of them. Uh, The same goes for Steve Sarkeesian, who was apparently in the mix for this job, or even Mike Norvell, who some reports seem to say was in the mix for this job. I don't know if Kalen DeBoer was their first choice. I mean, they ran a better search than, you know, say for example, like Texas A&M did a couple months ago, so they can maintain the plausible deniability of saying that Kalen DeBoer was their first choice. I don't know if that was the case, but regardless, I mean, he's got a tough task ahead of him. This is not going to be a turnkey operation. And if you don't think Alabama could fall off from where they've been, like you've got a pretty short memory of, of what they were, you know, between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. And the fact that Kalen DeBoer had this extension sitting on his desk for weeks from Washington told you that he was likely a uh, what I would call a renter. Uh, he wasn't in it for the long haul. Now, Alabama, he might be a little bit more because, you know, going from Washington to Alabama is definitely a step up, and we'll see how long he can kind of maintain that. Uh, but, yeah, there are questions. I also have questions like Jalen Milrow. Is he his quarterback? Um, because I know he's used a variety of different quarterbacks uh, in in recent years, uh, but I don't know if he fits the system as well. Now, they can build the system around him, which is what they should do, a good coach takes his players and builds a system around them, and that's how they have success. But it'll be really interesting to see if guys like that are will be uh, playing in this offense next year. We'll find out uh, what happens with you know Will Rogers III. Does he now follow them to Alabama? He went back in the portal. Does he stay in Washington? Don't know. There's a lot of questions. I agree with you. There are a lot of questions, but as far as a head coach right now, I don't know if there was a hotter candidate than Kalen DeBoer based on what he did. You talked about the numbers, how many wins. He should have pulled that line in his uh, introductory press conference that Kirk Signetti said, just Google me, I win everywhere I go. Uh, But replacing Kalen DeBoer uh, happened within the Pac-12. We can still call him Pac-12, right, Tyler, because it's not official. They haven't left yet. Uh, Jet Fish taking over Washington, leaving Arizona. A school by... um, by all intents and purposes, is broke uh, based on their shortfall. Uh, I, what were it, like 240, 250 million off of where they should have been? They were going to have to make cuts. So this is probably Jed Fish hedging his bets and taking off and going to the Pacific Northwest, 
where they're in a little bit better situation than he was in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, you. I think you really hit on the uh, important point there, which is the situation within Arizona's athletic department. Look, this wasn't a surprise. Um, I think Jed Fish jumping for a, a you know a softer landing spot makes a ton of sense. I had heard rumors that you know had UCLA parted with Chip Kelly, like there were some talks they might have that he would have been a a sort of shoe in for that job. So I think pretty clearly was a guy that was uh, putting his name out there. You know, I think. You know, a guy that we could have heard next year come up for the Florida job. You know, it's his alma mater. If that job were to open, I think that's a name that, and it still could. I mean, you know, you never know. But I think, regardless, I think it's pretty obvious why he's doing this. I mean, like you said, it's an Arizona uh, athletic department that has budget issues. I think, I think you were right. I think it was about a $240 million budget shortfall. And, and, you know, a lot of uncertainty there, obviously, heading to the Big 12, where, you know, we've talked about on the show, there's a power vacuum, but I do think there are a number of programs better situated than Arizona in the long term there, especially given the finances, but even probably disregarding the finances. So I think him taking this job, which is a very good job. I mean, it's, you know, a couple playoff appearances. I think we're probably in agreement, right? This isn't necessarily a premier job in the big 10. Like this isn't on the level of a Ohio state or a Michigan. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I th- yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at where he had to go, I, I mean, when you look at Washington, it's pretty. I think it's a pretty significant jump. I mean, the, they're they're the next tier, right? Um, but you know, it's interesting you brought up Jed Fish going, you know, potentially UCLA, a guy where he was an interim head coach in 2017. Um, then he spent time with the Rams and the Patriots and in the Wildcats. Um, so this is a guy that's bounced around knowing that he's got to find an opportunity. And, uh, I, I think he made the right choice going to Washington and hit his buyouts relatively low. So if Florida wants to look at him next year, it's not going to cost as much as it might. Some of these other big name coaches who have huge buyouts. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how he does, but this guy's a rising star, um, in, in, in the college level, you know, like you said, a, a pretty heavy, uh, NFL heavy background with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably part of the reason you're seeing, uh, it work out so well. I think he probably is running, you know, things like an NFL operation, which is kind of more the direction we're heading towards. So I think he's kind of a guy that I think, I think there's sort of a, a class of coaches that get it and a class of coaches that don't in terms of where this is heading. And I think he's, firmly in the class that does get it. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, I think obviously hasn't proven as much as DeBoer has, but I think he's going to come in and probably keep things, you know, at a pretty successful level. Um, you know, portaled pretty well at Arizona, obviously got Jaden Delora who ended up even getting beat out by another guy they had on the roster, but he, you know, he acquired talent at a job that's not the easiest to, you know, especially in the PAC 12 when the situation wasn't great. So I think coming into the big 10, I think it's a good hire for Washington makes a lot of sense for Jed fish. I think this is one that probably, made a lot of sense for both sides. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, you, you talked about, you know, getting beat out by the freshman. Freshman All-American, Noah Papita. Uh, we saw some reports that Noah Papita might stick it out at Arizona, but that doesn't seem to be the case yet. It'll be interesting, especially with with Austin Mack hitting the portal, who's the talented Washington quarterback everybody was waiting for. He's kind of the next in-line guy. And then, obviously, you know, we talked about Will Rogers, will he stay, will he go? Um, I, I'll be really interested to see how that kind of plays out. Yeah, because with these, the transfer portal is actually closed. But if your coach leaves, retired, fired, there's a 30-day window. So these guys have time to make a decision. So it'll be really interesting to see if Noah Papita, Totora, McMillan, and those guys that really showed out at Arizona this last year, 
I mean, this team went 10 and three um, with a little bit of a talent disadvantage, I think. Uh, when you look at, you know, maybe some of the other teams within their own conference. Um, we saw them go up against USC and Utah, and and really they this Arizona team really challenged Washington. Um, they challenged some of the big boys with Oregon, and, and so th- they're a team that, that was built to play, and I think it's only going to continue with, with Jed Fish going to Washington. I think up there in the Pacific Northwest, I think they're going to be very hu- happy uh, some happy Huskies, uh, I think, is what I'll say, uh, with him taking that job. Now, again, now Arizona's opened up that job, and where and this is interesting. Brent Brennan comes over. It, this one was a little bit of a head scratcher, but going back to what we talked about, the financial issues with Arizona, um, I believe the max a a government paid employee in the state of Arizona can make is like five million a year. So they're already at a disadvantage where a guy like Jed Fish goes. Up to Washington, how much is he making? 7.75, so almost $8 million. That's almost $3 million above the supposed max you could make in Arizona. I don't know that for a fact. That's just what I've been told. Now, Brent Brennan is a guy at San Jose State who I don't think is really um, solidified itself as, as one of the top candidates. Uh, if you go and look at his overall record, his only really good season was the pandemic-shortened season where he went 7-1 and in 2020. Uh, but still, he has had winning seasons. Uh, but I'm not sure that jumping him up to Arizona uh, is the right move. But at you know, as we've talked about being this late in the cycle, where else were you going to go? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that's that's kind of the main thing here is you know this was never going to be the splashiest hire in the world. You know, it happened unexpectedly mid January again, just hitting on it again, the, the financial situation this school's in, they were never going to go blow your mind with this coaching hire. So with that being said, I think it, it's a good move. I think they moved quickly. They got their guy. I think he's a really good coach. You know, I, like you said, hasn't really proven a ton. I think you can kind of toss out that 2020 pandemic season. I think the the more removed we get from it, I think a lot of the results in 2020 were just pretty anomalous. Um, But I mean, still, in spite of that, you know, a lot of consistency at what isn't an elite mountain West job, you know, while, while some other, you know, programs in the conference were, were sort of rising above, you know, above where San Jose state was, he managed to keep them pretty competitive in that mix. And I think, you know, it's a similar kind of hire to where they were going with Jed fish. You know, that wasn't a, uh, you know, highly sought after job back then either. They found the right guy. And I think, I think they probably found the right guy um, here too. I'm not saying they're going to win 10 games again next year. Obviously we'll see what happens with Noah Fafita and some other players, but I think, I think, you know, given the situation they were in moving quickly, I think this was a good move. And they obviously had to move quickly because they need to try and keep their guys in place, obviously. And going into the Big 12, they've got a lot to to address, much like Washington did when they hired Jed Fish because they're going into the Big 10. Um, but, yeah, it, and, you know, that the big thing here is a lot of these jobs that are now open or became open, um, you know, were a little bit – you know, they got the short end of the stick because the coaching carousel ended like a month ago. And so everybody seemed to be locked in. We we saw the hires and the movement. Um, but then we saw some, now we have some group of fives um, that are starting to open up, you know, with, with San Jose and then some others that we're going to get into here in a moment. Uh, this is, you know, they, they're playing the hand that they're dealt. And yeah, I think the Brennan hire was the right hire. It's just, it's not exactly like you said, it wasn't splashy. So uh, for me, it was a little bit of a, well, honestly, 
it's probably as good as it's going to get. We'll see how it looks. Um, and, you know, perhaps he'll shock us all, and, and Arizona will still be a surprise team in the new look Big 12 next season. But let's talk about those group of fives, Tyler. We have seen a lot of changes being made on group of five, but all of a sudden we've had two coaches who have stepped down, resigned as head coach at the group of five to take a power five assistant role. Kane Womack, South Alabama. Maurice Linguist at Buffalo has stepped down. Obviously, the reports were that he would be joining the Alabama staff. And it's very reminiscent. A couple years ago at LSU, uh, Frank Wilson stepped down from his job as the McNeese State head coach, or now called McNeese, used to be McNeese State, to take a running back coach job with LSU. We're seeing this more and more. And actually, and honestly, this is really sad for the group of five uh, with how they're losing head coaches to assistant roles at the power five. Oh yeah, man. I, I hate it. I mean, it sucks. I think it's an awful trend for the sport. Um, you know, I think, like you said, it's something we've seen happen. You know, uh, I, I think back, you know, uh, we saw earlier this offseason. you know, North Dakota state's coach, Matt Ants leaves to be a linebackers coach at USC. Uh, you know, Willie Simmons, the head coach at Florida A&M leaves to be a running backs coach at Duke. We're seeing, you know, you know, teams are leaving and, and, you know, even Kane Womack at least is going to be a defensive coordinator, but I mean, we've seen guys leave to be position coaches. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it's just, it, it's an awful trend for the sport. I think, especially when you look at a guy like Kane Womack, a guy who, you know, had a bit of a down year this year, but a guy who was getting very real height for some, you know, lower half sec jobs, potentially, I think if he had stuck around another year, he might've been in the mix for some of those, um, you know, and a job in South Alabama that's, you know, on the rise in a very, in, in the, in the best G5 conference, at least in terms of having like a consistent identity and, and you know, rivalries and that kind of thing in the Sun Belt, you know, that's in a big city in Mobile, you know, relative to the South, like there's a lot of potential with this program. And the fact that it's kind of viewed as like, like put it this way, if, if we're starting to look at the South Alabama job as a dead end job, the, the G5 and below is in a, a rough state. I, I mean, and it's, I can't blame Kane Womack for it because it might be the best bet. I mean, he will probably get a very good job out of the Alabama DC role eventually, but I just think it's an awful trend for the sport. You know, Mo Linguist, we talked about too, Buffalo makes a little more sense, honestly. I mean, it, the same yeah. thing goes true, but uh, you know, there's a real stigma against Mac coaches. You know, we saw Sean Lewis leave Kent state to be an offensive coordinator at Colorado and that landed him a better head coaching job in one year. So you know, it's just tough. I think it's just a really, really bad state of affairs for for anything in this sport that's not the power five and truthfully even like the upper half of it. Yeah, because you, you th- like if you're John Summerall and you're leaving uh, Troy to take the job at Tulane, I can understand that because Tulane's a better job. It's probably the top end of the G5 along mm-hmm. with some other schools. Um but yeah, it's it's a hard pill to swallow when you're losing your coach to be a, a defensive coordinator. That can make sense because let's be honest, Alabama can pay more than most G5s can for their head coach at a coordinator position. They have that kind of funding. Uh, the one that, like you said, like Willie Simmons taking a running back coach job when he's got one of the best programs there at Florida A and M. It's it's shocking. It you know it, it's like you said, it sucks for the sport and hopefully. With the expanded playoff, you know, more funding going to these group of fives, maybe we can potentially see less and less of this. Uh, we will see kind of how that all plays out. But, yeah, uh, but I agree with you. I think it sucks when you look at where the sport is going, where it's trending, 
uh, with more and more of these group of five head coaches stepping down to take coordinator roles and just assistant roles at the power five level. And so now as we wrap up this edition, uh, I do want to get to talk about the best hire. Now, prior to this reemergence of the coaching carousel, Tyler, we kind of thought Willie Fritz was the best hire going to the University of Houston, uh, making that jump up from Tulane to Houston. Now he's a power five head coach, which many people thought he probably should have been a a power five head coach before now. In your mind, is that still the best hire of the carousel? Um, I think, yes, I think it is, but I will put one caveat there because something we haven't talked about in this show yet, uh, the coaching carousel might not be over yet. You know, we might be due for another round here. Um, you know, obviously Jim Harbaugh has interviewed with the chargers and the Falcons and knowing our luck, he'll probably take one of those jobs in the next couple hours here. So, but, uh, you know, I think, for now, for the time being, assuming things have kind of slowed down, I'd say, yeah, I think I look at the field of coaches that took jobs. I mean, I think another guy I'd put up there would be uh, Kurt Signetti at Indiana because I think it's a, a very similar kind of move. But I think Willie Fritz is a guy that been around the sport for a long time, proven a lot, and in spite of that, hasn't really gotten an opportunity like this. I think there's been stigma against him, you know, coming from the sort of the triple option school of, of coaching. You know, I think he's adapted that offense really well at Tulane. And I think it could work really well at Houston too. I think this is a guy that understands the job. It's a great fit. Um, and, and frankly, just kind of an embarrassment that he hasn't had an opportunity like this already. But I think uh, to me, as, as sure thing as things get, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go, you know, make the playoff while winning the big 12, but I think this was the best possible hire they could have made in this field. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I think Signetti's up there. Um, I definitely think Willie Fritz is up there. I'm probably going to go Kalen DeBoer. Um, I, I'm really high on him. I agree with you. There's a lot of questions there. But I think when you look at what he's proven everywhere he's gone is he wins. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that offense is going to be really explosive. I think they're going to put up points like they did at Washington. Like he showed at Fresno State he's shown at different spots. So for me, I'm going to go with DeBoer with the caveat that there are questions. And, and yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Like the, the Jim Harbaugh situation is yeah, the carousel is not exactly over. I mean, there's still some group of five jobs that need to be addressed right now. When you talk about Buffalo or you talk about uh, South Alabama and some of those other schools that lost their head coach. Um, And I don't think those are going to be like earth shattering hires. Uh, but the move that we've all been waiting for is obviously Michigan, and you bring up a good point. It's probably going to happen today, a couple mm-hmm. hours uh, after we finish recording. We're probably going to get news or get wind of where Jim Harbaugh might or might not go. But the question I have for you when it talks when you talk about Harbaugh, should he make the move? Should he leave Michigan, um, considering he's coming off a national championship? Uh, you know, obviously he was going to have a new quarterback next year because J.J. McCarthy entered the the NFL draft. Um, Donovan Edwards is coming back, so you do have that star running back who kind of uh, stole the show in the national championship game. But should he make that move? Yeah, I mean, so look, I won't pretend to uh, have any insight or understanding of the the enigma that is the Jim Harbaugh mind palace. But if it were me, yes, like a hundred percent. 
I would take the Chargers job. Um, if it, assuming there's mutual interest there, which multiple reports seem to indicate there is, if they want me and I'm Jim Harbaugh, yeah, I'm going to coach Justin Herbert. Um, I've done what I needed to do at Michigan. You know, I took my alma mater to the national title, ended a 26 year drought. You know, I think you know they've done. He's done really all he can. The NCAA is probably about to hit them. Uh, you know, right or wrong, that's probably what's about to happen. And, and I think, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense for him to move on. You know, this era is kind of over, you know, with J.J. McCarthy. And I think there, you know, are quality candidates they could hire. There's quality internal candidates. You know, if they wanted to promote Sharon Moore, I think it'd be a great move. You know, I think, um, but if you're Jim Harbaugh, I mean, I think, you know, the success you had at San Francisco, you know, when you were in the NFL, I think has to encourage you that you are sort of breaking the mold of the college to NFL coach, you know, you know, People aren't, you know, don't think highly of coaches that have done that. And the track record hasn't been good, but, you know, he's proven he can get a team, you know, right up there to, you know, right near the, near the mountaintop. So I think, you know, with a young quarterback and Justin Herbert, a franchise that still has some talent, some pieces, and the same is true for the Falcons too, to an extent, they just don't have the quarterback in place. But I think regardless, I think there will be enough good opportunities for Harbaugh. And I think if I were him, yeah, I would go take my chance at the NFL again and also get out of this nightmare that is the new era of college football in terms of scheduling and, you know, recruiting and transfer portal and all that. I mean, who's got it better than Jim Harbaugh? Nobody, right? Um, you know, I, I agree. I think he has to make the move or he should make the move. And, I, I you know, I, the key one that you bring up is not a whole lot of co- coaches have done it, but Pete Carroll is the guy that I would say, has shown that he could do it because he won national championships at USC, got in trouble, got them in a lot of trouble, then he ran off to the NFL and won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he's a guy that that has shown that he can do it. And and you know, now good for Jim Harbaugh. He can sit at the table next to his brother John at family get together and say, Hey, I have a championship too now. Uh so good for him. But yeah, I think I think the NFL is the right move for him and he's probably gonna pull Pete Carroll. You know, sanctions coming, let me get out of here, take this job. And you know, I, I agree with so many uh, changes being made at the college football game where you talk about NIL, you're talking about scheduling. I agree. You can't be getting ready for a bowl game while also having to do uh, worry about your roster for the upcoming season and, and recruiting and all that. It, it's just a mess. And another reason why college football and NCAA need to get together and fix, fix that, whatever it means, whether it's removing the early signing period, changing the portal dates, or however you want to do it. But that's going to do it for this edition of the College 12-Pack. We'll be back next week. I'm not going to say we're going to talk basketball, but we'll be back with some more college sports because I'm not going to jinx it again. Uh, But for Tyler, I'm Patrick. We'll see you next week.